because we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 22nd edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. On Monday's show, we'll continue our special coverage of the Africa Cup of Nations Football Tournament, or AFCON, in Ivory Coast. It's the 10th day of competition at the African Football Showpiece. Joining us now from the Ivorian commercial capital of Abidjan is VOA Nations Cup reporter Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty AFCON greetings, Muckbill. Sporty AFCON greetings, Sonny. What's going on? Muckbill, groups A and B in the spotlight on Monday evening in Ivory Coast. Let's begin with group A, Muckbill. Uh, two matches on Monday evening. Equatorial Guinea will be playing the host team, the Elephants of Ivory Coast. And at the same time, Guinea-Bissau going up against the Super Eagles of Nigeria. Quick look at the table, Muckbill. Equatorial Guinea and Nigeria top the table with four points each. Ivory Coast with three and Guinea-Bissau with no points. How do you see these matches this evening? Um, Sonny, great question. The beauty of it is that we really don't know. We've seen some extreme upsets, and then we've seen some powerful teams kind of just steamroll as expected. Um, If I were to to give my educated prediction, I would think that Nigeria, the Super Eagles, would have to come out on top against Guinea-Bissau. They've had a very difficult run. They've had uh, two losses in their first two games. Uh, and Nigeria really needs to win in order to kind of put themselves through. They are tied at the moment with Equatorial Guinea, but because of goal difference, Equatorial Guinea is on, on top uh, in that first slot. So if both teams end up drawing and the, the results are not extremely lopsided, then I would expect Equatorial Guinea to end that group number one. Uh, that still would mean that Nigeria would still make it through because Ivory Coast would still only have four points. Um, so, I'm pretty sure uh, Victor Oseman and the crew have said that, you know, they want to make sure that they come out of this group performing well. And they felt as though they played really well against uh, Ivory Coast in that 1-0 victory over them. Sporty greetings, this is Victor Oseman, Super Eagles of Nigeria and Napoli FC forward. You're listening to the sunny side of thoughts on The Voice of America. Victor Oseman, the 2023 African Footballer of the Year, he drew the penalty uh, in Nigeria's last match, and then uh, William Trost Ekong converted the penalty kick. Is Oseman still the engine in the attack? I would definitely believe so. Um, he poses so much challenges and, and difficulties for uh, teams and defenses across the board. Uh, when you have a player of that caliber, uh, just you know, knowing that it's very difficult to guard against him one-on-one. So it, it, he requires a lot of attention from the defense as a totality. Um, he hasn't really been able to convert on some opportunities that he normally does convert, uh, but it still just goes to show you that he's getting into spaces and, and, and he's still able to you know, get shots off, which is still very important. Uh, sometimes, even if you're not scoring, a, your team can still use you somewhat as a, of a decoy because you require so much attention on defense. And I feel like that's the, the, the biggest takeaway from uh, what this Nigerian team is able to get from him. But he is also converting and, and, and getting them uh, you know, opportunities to score as well. 
Muckbill, let's turn to Group B now at this 34th Nations Cup. Uh, these will be the two later matches on Monday evening. Mozambique will go against Ghana, and Cape Verde uh, will play Egypt. The Blue Sharks of Cape Verde uh, already through to the knockout round of 16. They top the table with six points, uh, followed by Egypt with two points, Ghana with one point, and Mozambique also with one point. Uh, how do you see these matches, Muckbill? I would say that the Ghana-Mozambique game is very, very important for Ghana in particular. Um, you know, at the moment, they have uh, one point, and, and as do Mozambique, because Mozambique tied Egypt in their very first game as well. So uh, for the Ghanaian fans, they've let us know that, hey, this is a game that's extremely important for us, and we, we really want to get this victory because they felt as though that Egyptian game um, really slipped through the cracks. Uh, Mohamed Kudus, you know, kudos for Kudus. You know, he he definitely uh, balled out with two goals, uh, played spectacular coming off of that lingering injury. Uh, but unfortunately, some mistakes in the back cost them heavily. Uh, if anybody watched the game or just saw the highlights, it wasn't as if Egypt was getting into the right positions and getting the right opportunities. It was just, you know, a lapse in communication in the back for the Ghanaian defense that led to two extremely easy opportunities for Egypt. So hopefully uh, what they're expecting is to come out and, you know, make sure that they play a better game. But on the flip side, Mozambique is also feeling as though they did not perform to their capabilities when they played Cape Verde. They played an excellent game against Egypt. Uh, they also felt as though Egypt really has come away with two draws when they should have or they could have potentially lost uh, both games. Uh, so they're sitting a little pretty up top at the table. And considering they're playing Cape Verde, that is automatically through, I would suspect, the Cape Verdean teams, um, the coaching staff, to kind of sit some of their bigger players, uh, you know, because they're automatically through. So this might really be a relatively easier game for Egypt because they will not play, I don't suspect, uh, Cape Verde at full strength. I'm Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. I'm talking with VOA Nations Cup reporter Muckbill Yabaro, who is joining us from Abidjan this evening. And Muckbill, let's look back at uh, a few of the matches from the weekend. Uh, joining Cape Verde in the knockout round is defending champion Senegal, they defeated another uh, pride of Lions, the indomitable Lions of Cameroon, the Lions of Taranga, victorious 3-1. Your thoughts on that match, Muckbill, and, and how, how are the Senegalese looking as they try to defend their title? Uh, to be honest with you, Sonny, I think Senegal has been uh, one of the stronger teams in this uh, Nations Cup. To me, I feel as though they're showing a very complete packaged team, right? Uh, not only are they physical they're strong. They are very technically sound. They have the ability to really uh, kind of play whichever game that you want to play, whatever, uh, you know, game plan or, or tactical plan that a coaching um, team may put in front of Senegal. They really have the ability to kind of, uh, you know, break it down um, throughout the entirety of the game. Like I said, they're very physical. They're very fast. They're athletic. But they also have an extremely high IQ, and they're very, very efficient and almost clinical from the last third uh, when they get into the box. Uh, they've had some of the most spectacular goals in the tournament so far, having scored three goals in both games. Uh, 
they're really rolling right now, showing us why they are the reigning current reigning champs of AFCON. And um, if this group stages is any indication of what they're able to do, it's going to take a Herculean type effort to really stop them uh, in the knockout phases. Muckbill, what other matches from the weekend caught your eye? If I were to say uh, one that kind of shocked me more than anything else was uh, the Morocco DR Congo game. Uh, I was expecting uh, Morocco to kind of come out with the same intensity that they had against Tanzania, but uh, realistically speaking, uh, DR Congo really showed their level of grit. Uh, the physicality that they also bring uh, to the table kind of was a little bit too much for the Moroccans. Um, they're also a physical bunch, but they realized, you know, that, you know, teams – um, in this tournament can be just as physical, if not more physical than them. So they're going to have to find a way to kind of get around that. Um, but outside of that, I would say um, South Africa with a great bounce back game, uh, beating Namibia 4-0. Um, Namibia is kind of in a weird spot because they, they won their first initial game um, in, in the group stages against Tunisia 1-0, and they played really well. Uh, but coming back and, and playing uh, Bafana Bafana and losing 4-0 really, it, it didn't really show the type of play that Namibia had throughout the game. It just was that they had an inability to finish in the uh, in the box. They Their wingers were playing extremely well. They were crossing the ball and getting the ball into the specific places that you need. And I personally can remember four or five easy opportunities uh, that they had sitters and they really just were unable to convert. Like the strikers were unable to even get into the spot to tap in the ball. So uh, I know their coaching staff is going to be really, really working on maybe just tap-ins, finishes around the the, the goal. Uh, but they played too good of a game to have lost 4-0. Muckbill, I know uh, one of your personal highlights there in uh, Ivory Coast was meeting uh, members of the U.S. delegation there in Abidjan at the U.S. Embassy, and we have a report now that the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, will be attending uh, the Equatorial Guinea-Ivory Coast match on Monday evening. Uh, your reaction to that? Huge, huge. Uh, well, what this shows us is that the, the U.S. government uh, is trying their very best to showcase that the partnership with the continent is no longer just something that we we just say, but we're showing it with actions, right? Having this sports delegation come and, and us sitting down and having conversations with them alongside the uh, U.S. ambassador uh, to Ivory Coast, uh, the ambassador let us know that, look, this is something that um, the – Biden administration is very, very serious about, and they are showing it. You know, having uh, Secretary Blinken coming in and watching the game shows you how serious this partnership is, and it's great to see, really. Muckbill, uh, still with uh, sort of the off-the-pitch stories taking place uh, at this Nations Cup, uh, uh, I understand you had a chance to meet uh, a former Arsenal star. Oh man, we, we, we randomly met Gervinho yesterday at a, uh, a lunch that was set up, um, kind of like a VIP lunch that was set up for us. Uh, and it, it was interesting because I had no idea, A, that he was going to be there, but B, I was wearing an Arsenal jersey and, and meeting a former <laughs> Arsenal player was super cool. Um, he's super down to earth, uh, probably one of the best strikers, uh, in Ivorian, uh, 
history. So uh, it, it was really awesome to meet him, chit chat, kind of just you know talk talk sports. Now he's uh, 36 years of age, Muckbill. Is he uh, sort of retired now from the Ivorian national team? So he's not really retired per se, uh, but at the moment I think he may just be taking some kind of time off uh, from international play. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely excited to see his team, uh, his country perform, and I, I know he's wishing them all the best. Finally, Muck Bill, uh, I know we talked last week about uh, some of the ticketing issues, uh, problems uh, at this Nations Cup. Have have you seen it being smoothed out in any way, the ticket distribution? I, I think more than anything else, individuals are just finding places to to go and find tickets at like specific venues or it's kind of turned into like a who knows who, right? So somebody might know a friend of theirs or their sister might know somebody that has tickets or something along those lines. It's still a little bit of uh, hula hoop action going on because they are not being st- sold at these stadiums. And then um, online, the wait time and the virtual queues are getting longer and longer. I looked to see online yesterday uh, what the wait times look like. And in different occasions, it was 30 plus minutes to wait in the queue. And then when you do wait in the queue and you finally get there, you have 30 minutes to check out. And majority of the games are already sold out, the ones in Abidjan at least. VOA's Mukbil Yabaro reporting from Abidjan and the 34th Africa Cup of Nations football tournament. Thank you, Mukbil. Thanks, Sonny. Hey, folks, I'm Mukbil Yabaro, and I have some electrifying news for you. AFCON 2023 is here, and I'll be at Ivory Coast covering all things AFCON for VOA Africa. We'll have exciting coverage on radio, TV, and all of our digital platforms. Make sure you check out VOAAfrica.com for AFCON updates. Stay locked right here on VOA Africa. In Nations Cup action Sunday, Zambia and Tanzania drew one all, as we hear now from Samson Omale in Abidjan. Zambia grabbed a late goal to draw 1-1 with Tanzania in a Group F match at the Laurent Poku Stadium in San Pedro on Sunday night. Tanzania had hopes of a first Africa Cup of Nations win after 44 years when it was dashed when 10-man Zambia snatched the late 1-1 Group F draw in San Pedro. The draw saw Chipolopolo remain third on the group standings and they will book their sport in the round of 16 if they secure a win over Morocco on the 24th of January in what will be their last group stage match. Tanzania, on the other hand, remained at the bottom of the standings and they can only progress to the knockout phase if they defeat DR Congo also on the 24th and the other results go their way. DR Congo had fought back to hold Morocco to a 1-1 draw in a Group F match played at the Laurent Poco Stadium in San Pedro on Sunday afternoon. The draw saw the Leopards of DR Congo remain second in the group standings and they will book their sport in the round of 16 if they secure a win over Tanzania when the two meet also on the 24th of January. Earlier on Sunday, Morocco and the Democratic Republic of Congo 
also drew 1-1, leaving all four teams with a chance of qualifying for the knockout stage. Morocco have four points, DR Congo and Zambia two each, and Tanzania one ahead of the final group marches on Wednesday in the Ivory Coast. South Africa Bafana Bafana revived their Afghan campaign with an emphatic 4-0 win over regional rivals Namibia in a Group E match played at the Amod Gon Kulibali Stadium in Kahugo on Sunday night. The results see South Africa rise to second place on the log on three points, one behind leaders Mali with Namibia dropping back to third place with three points and Tunisia with just one point rounding out the quartet. And on to Monday's game, Egypt will have to make do without talisman Mohamed Salah in their must-win encounter against Cape Verde in the final Group B match at the 2023 Afghan with the game set to take place at the Felix Hoffert Boani Stadium on Monday. With Equatorial Guinea on the verge of qualifying for the round of 16 in the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations, Isalangan National will take on host Ivory Coast in their final Group A fixture on Monday with the game set to commence at the Olympic Stadium of Ibimpe. Also on Monday, it will be Guinea-Bissau who will play Nigeria as Nigeria seeks to qualify for the next round while Mozambique will face Ghana in a must-win game for the Black Stars of Ghana. I am Samson Omale in Abidjan, Côte d'Ivoire. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, and at VOAAfrica.com. My Facebook address is Facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My X, formerly known as Twitter handle, is at VOA Sunny Sports. And if you go to VOAAfrica.com, you can listen online to the sunny side of sports as well as past episodes. Check out VOAAfrica.com for lots of Africa news. For world news, go to VOANews.com. This is Larry London, the host of VOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. Let's go down under now 
Craig Gabriel has an update on the Day 9 action at the Australian Open Tennis Tournament. The upsets continue at the Australian Open, especially on the women's side. Linda Noskova, who stunned the world number one, Iga Schwante, a couple of days ago, has added another seed to her tally. The 19-year-old has reached the quarterfinals by playing only three games. Elena Svitolina, who she was playing, got treatment on her back and a game later tearfully retired. The Czech was ahead 3-love against the 19th seed. I would not say that I would, I will, or I can easily win it. It's going to be a tough match, and I am counting on that. So it's going to be tough. So I will prepare for it as uh, as it would be any other player. And, uh, you know, I'm in quarters of a Grand Slam, so I don't take anything for granted at this point. Soon after qualified, Dejani Yastremska from Ukraine dispatched two-time winner Vika Azarenka 7-6-6-4. Azarenka, the 19th seed who won the title in 2012 and 13, had plenty of chances in the first set. Twice she served for the set and couldn't convert. And at the end, as we've come to accept these days, there was no handshake because of the war, a topic that Yastremska spoke of and how it's affected her. A lot of things were affected on me. And because of that, I couldn't really play like I wanted. Plus, I put a lot of pressure on myself as well. And uh, the war is, of course, it's affected as well a lot because you cannot go home like you wanted, when you wanted, like it was before. And uh, you always read the news, you always see the videos. And as, as I said before, for example, when I was in Brisbane, the racket arrived at my grandmother's house. So... You know, it's tough emotionally to play, but the worst thing is that you feel like you are already accepting, you know, this what is happening. And uh, people are starting to forget about what is going on. And uh, a lot of, I've been receiving a lot of even uh, strange, like, questions about, uh, about the Ukraine, about the war and about, like, tennis and stuff. But, uh, like, I don't really want to talk about it right now, but just in general... It's tough to play, but... Um and now to day 10. Novak Djokovic continues to chase records in this sport. And when he plays Taylor Fritz, he'll be trying to reach a record-extending 48th semi-final at the Majors. In Australia, when he's won a quarter-final, he's gone on to win the championship. That's happened 10 times. He's never lost to Fritz, and they've met eight times, and Fritz has never gone past the quarters. The other men's quarter-final has Yannick Sinner playing Andre Rublev, and Rublev broke Aussie tennis hearts when he beat Alex Dimino in the fourth round. But the Russians' performance, especially in the fifth set, was mesmerizing at times. That sort of tennis will be vital against Sinner, who's the only man not to have dropped a set so far. His best at the Australian is one quarter final, but Sinner is playing a level of tennis that could take him all the way. He leads Rublev 4 2. Arena Sabalenka is moving a step closer to defending the title she won a year ago, and she's attempting to reach her eighth semi final at the Majors. Trying to stop her will be Barbora Krajikova, who's won just once from their six meetings. That win was in the Middle East last year. This is Sabalenka's most successful major, but even if she was to win it again, she won't return to the number one ranking. The other quarterfinal is Coco Goff against Marta Kostuk, and the U.S. Open winner leads their head-to-head 1-0, having beaten her in Adelaide in three sets in 2022. For both, this is a first Australian Open quarterfinal. That's what it should be if results go according to seedings, but at this Australian Open, seedings have gone right out the window, considering there were just seven left on the women's fourth round from the original 32. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Melbourne. 
Around the clock, the Voice of America keeps you in touch with the latest news. Tune in at the top of every hour, every day of the week. For the five-minute VOA newscast. We bring you reports from our correspondents and interviews with newsmakers from around the globe. Give us five minutes and we'll give you the world. VOA, your trusted source for news and information. I'm VOA's Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. American-style football. Four teams remain in contention for the Super Bowl trophy. They are the Detroit Lions and the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC, and the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC. We have a report now from the AP's Gethin Coolbaugh on the weekend victories by the Ravens and the 49ers. The 49ers are headed to the NFC Championship game for the third straight season. Ryan Leong reports in Santa Clara. The 49ers hang on to beat the Packers 24-21. Christian McCaffrey had 98 yards rushing and two scores. McCaffrey's six-yard run with 107 remaining in the fourth quarter was the difference. We didn't play well at all and um, still had a chance at the end and to go out there and, and execute at the end. Um, it's a sign of a high-character team. We just got to correct our mistakes for this next week. The Ravens beat the Texans 34-10 to advance to the AFC Championship game. Here's Craig Heist. Lamar Jackson threw for two touchdowns and rushed for two more. He had touchdown runs of 15 and 8 yards as Jackson and the Ravens outscored Houston 24-0 in the second half. We went to punt points on the board, started moving the ball, moving the chains, and started looking like ourselves. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens will host the Kansas City Chiefs on January 28th in Baltimore, Maryland. That same day, the San Francisco 49ers will be at home against the Detroit Lions. There were celebrations in Detroit Sunday, as we hear now from the AP's Bruce Morton. Those in the streets of downtown Detroit were in a festive mood Sunday. This after the Lions won their divisional playoff game with Tampa Bay 31-23, pushing the Lions into their first NFC title game since 1991. Quarterback Jared Goff threw two touchdown passes and said this victory and its accomplishments were meant to be. I don't want to say like this arrogantly, but we expected to win the first game. We expected to win this game, and, and now we get to go to a game we expected to be in against a really good team at their place, and um, we're going to come into it expecting to win. It'll be a tough game, but um, it'll be fun. Next Sunday, the Lions pursued their initial Super Bowl berth when they go on the road to face the 49ers. In AFC Divisional play, the Chiefs will make their sixth consecutive appearance in the conference championship game after holding off Buffalo 27-24. Patrick Mahomes delivered two touchdown passes. It's always fun when you get to come together as a team and really just be like y'all versus, versus everybody and, and get the win. So uh, it's always great to be in great environments and uh, find a way to get a win. Just as Mahomes contributed to the victory, so too did the Bills' Tyler Bass, who botched a 44-yard attempt at a game-tying field goal in the final two minutes. Next Sunday, Kansas City will play at Baltimore. College hoops. On Sunday, Tara Vanderveer became major college basketball's winningest coach when number 8 Stanford defeated Oregon State. Dave Ferry has details. The 70-year-old Vanderveer collected her 1,203rd win to pass Duke and Army coach Mike Krzyzewski. She has been coaching since age 24 and has been with the Cardinals since 1985. Save for one year, she led the U.S. women's basketball team to a gold medal in 1996. Pro basketball, the Clippers scored the game's final 22 points to shock Brooklyn 125-114. The other Sunday winners were the Lakers, Suns, Celtics, Nuggets, and Magic. Bruce Morton. 
Thanks, Bruce. The Magic beat another Florida-based NBA team, the Miami Heat, by a score of 105-87. to It was a season-low point total for Miami, which suffered its third consecutive loss. Our sunny side of sports listeners will remember Miami lost to the Denver Nuggets four games to one in last year's NBA Finals. Here in Washington, the Nuggets beat the Washington Wizards 113-104. to Serbian star Nikola Jokic once again led the winning way for the Nuggets. The two-time league most valuable player finished with a season-high 42 points to go with 12 rebounds, 8 assists, and 3 blocks. In Houston, Texas, the NBA-leading Boston Celtics beat the Houston Rockets 116-107. to Latvian big man Kristaps Porzingis scored a game-high 32 points for the Celtics, who improved their record to 33 wins and 10 losses. English Premier League football. First place Liverpool has a five-point lead over three teams, defending champion Manchester City, Arsenal, and Aston Villa. After the Reds scored a 4-0 away win Sunday against Bournemouth, the Uruguayan Darwin Nunez and the Portuguese Diogo Jota each scored twice for Liverpool, which did not miss the absent duo of Mo Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold. The victory extended Liverpool's unbeaten run to eight Premier League matches. In Sunday's other Premier League match, Sheffield United and visiting West Ham drew two all. The Premier League has never had a goal scored later than the penalty converted by Sheffield's Oliver McBurney in the 13th minute of stoppage time. Two all draw between Sheffield and West Ham and the Reds of Liverpool holding on without Mo Salah. And that wraps up the January 22nd edition of the show. Thanks to producer David Vandy and engineer Bill Andrade. And thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.